0: Welcome to Tucumcari First Assemblies podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. It is an honor and a privilege to preach to you guys this morning. I have a little bit of a sinus infection, so I have my water up here. My nose is a little runny, but we're going to work through it. Um, so I thought this was perfect this morning. I was reading through my message and doing all these things, going through it in my head, and then Bobby says, "Hey, your Mother's Day present is on the dresser," and so. This is one of the things that was in my Mother's Day present. Liam made it at school. You moms all know what these look like and what they are. So, but I am talking about recipes today. And a lot of these questions that Liam was asked about me have to do with my cooking. (laughs) The good news is, the good news is, they were all compliments. So there's probably, I don't know, 12, 13, 20 questions on here. I guarantee you like 18 of them have to do with my cooking. So it's just appropriate that I'd show you. Uh, This is my favorite one. My mom is so smart. She even knows blank, Liam says, how to cook. Amen. Amen. (laughs) It's all I needed for this morning. It's a boost that I needed to to preach to you this morning. But happy Mother's Day to all you moms. I hope you're getting treated special today. If you guys would open your Bibles to John chapter 2, or if you got notes, they're also in your notes. If you need notes, you can raise your hand. We'll bring those to you. Um, But we're going to be in John chapter 2 today, and I'm bringing you a message that I've titled A Mother's Recipe for a Miracle. Now, you've heard about recipes for disaster, but this is a recipe for a miracle. So would you stand this morning? We're going to read God's word together. We're going to start in verse 1, and we'll land in verse 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, listen to me. I know the word of God says that Jesus was without sin. But can we just back up for a second? Because... As a mom, I'm embracing right now that the word also says that Jesus was fully God and fully man, and this is the fully man part, okay? His mother is hinting that there's a problem that he should fix, and he has the wherewithal to say to her, Woman, what's that got to do with me? <laughs> Listen, if my if I say to my eight-year-old son, Liam, the trash is really full, or Liam, your animals are out of water, suggesting that there's a problem, and he says to me, What's that got to do with me? There's going to be more than the trash that gets taken out. Okay. Hello. So I'm embracing, I'm embracing that Jesus is fully man here, but as a mom, I'm going to give him a little grace. Moving on. Verse six. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom and said, everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and the disciples believed in him. This is the word of God. You can be seated. So I told you that I was thinking about recipes, and a lot of times there's like secret recipes from restaurants, or there's family recipes that are heirlooms that literally no one can have access to, right? Then there's those weird recipes in the back of magazines that have things in them that should never be eaten. And then there's online recipes that literally anyone can have access to, right There's hundreds and hundreds of recipes in this earth. And so and because everyone is a little bit different, all the recipes are a little bit different. So if you go home today and you look up a recipe a recipe for mashed potatoes, you're going to get enough options to make every kind of mashed potatoes from now until the rest of your life, right There's recipes all over the place and they're the magic of cooking. in the simplest form, the recipe is just ingredients and instructions. And if you have the right ingredients and you follow the instructions, then you should be able to produce the recipe, right? Let me tell you something about recipes in my family. They don't actually exist. The recipes in my family are in their simplest form, ingredients, but the instructions are lacking several details, okay? So when I started going to college and I started calling home for recipes for this and that, what I got was something like, Oh, that's just like hamburger and garlic salt. And if you want to eat it this way, you could do this. Or if you want it to be a little more like this, you could add this. And it was just like this huge question mark, right? It was just ingredients. Um, There were never really clear directions on how to produce the recipe. And what Bobby learned later after marrying me is there's also no clear measurements. Um, I grew up in an environment where we cooked for a lot of people. I have a huge family and we're ranchers and so we were always feeding branding crews or extra help or lots of little kids and so I was raised in kitchens that fed a lot of people. So when Bobby and I got married and I started cooking with those instinctual recipes, what I produced for the two of us was enough food to feed entire armies. (laughs) So my point is, I could have ingredients, and I could have instructions, and I could still not get the same results of a recipe unless I called my mom and asked more questions, right? I need more than the recipe to produce the results. I need to be able to start the recipe, but then I need to be able to call mom and say, what does this mean? Why, why do you fold ingredients? What exactly do you beat eggs with? Anyone? Like my fist? What do, I, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? I need the relationship or I'm going to be a terrible cook. You have to lean into the resources of the relationship to produce the recipe. So I want to take that same concept of a, of a recipe and a relationship and compare it to our story in John chapter 2. So in verses 1 through 11, we find a recipe and we find ingredients and instructions, but we also find the value of a relationship. So look back at the beginning of chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The story starts with a huge celebration, right? We know that they're at a wedding. Jesus is at a Jewish wedding, and the Jewish had some instructions and tradition when it came to celebrating marriage. At a Jewish wedding, the reception would last seven days. Huge party, seven days. And I i mean, you can think it way you want to. The Bible doesn't give us every detail, but I think this was a party, and I think Jesus was on the dance floor. In my family, no wedding is complete unless you end the night dancing, and so that's what I like to think Jesus was doing. You can think he was in the corner praying if you want. I think he was on the dance floor. And right in the middle of his dancing and partying with all of his friends and celebrating this marriage, his mom catches his eye from across the room. And right away, he knows that there's a problem. He knows the look his mom is giving him. And he knows that something's not right. And Mary is about to call him in to fix it. So right here, there's already two important things that we have in the very beginning. Write these down in your notes. Number one, this is Jesus' initial miracle. This is the first miracle that we're given um, in the Bible that God gives Jesus to perform. um, First one that we know about. And number two the miracle was instigated by his mom. So this is the first miracle, and a mom started it. I don't want to be biased in the teaching this morning, but I think that (laughs) we're not just looking at the first miracle. We're looking at a prototype for all other miracles. Perhaps Mary just instigated something that actually gives us a recipe for all miracles that will manifest forever, even now. So I'm going to give you a recipe today with four ingredients that make up the recipe of a mother's miracle. But before I do, I want to tell you something I thought was really intriguing about this story. Think about who all would be at a wedding. My sister just got married in March, and her and her husband at first, they thought they were going to have this like small intimate wedding with just parents and siblings, and that was it. And then the group grew to, well, we have to invite the grandparents because we have to. And then the group grew to, well, we should invite the aunts and uncles, but not the cousins. That's just too many, not the cousins. So we went there. Then we invited the cousins and only their closest friends, only the close ones. Listen, by the time we got through inviting people, the guest list was like three or 400 people. So I think um, at this wedding, you have family, you have immediate and extended, you have friends, you have the who's who of Cana, you have the people that mom made you invite, because even though you don't know them, mom does. You have Jesus, you have the disciples, you have the wedding planner, you have the photographer. I mean, in my mind, if these people are running out of supplies, there's a lot of them, right? They're running out, there's a lot of people, but only a mom could see that they were running out of the wine. And only a mom could look at the big party and the big celebration and have the vision to see that there was about to be a problem. So Mary gives us the very first step in every miracle God will manifest in your life, and that's number one. You must first see the problem. Mary was the only one that could see it, and isn't that just like a mother? I think women in general, honestly, we see things that no one else sees. So young people, if you need to know if you're hanging out with the right people or you're dating the right people or anything like that, you need to bring them around your mom. She knows, okay? Women have this supernatural ability to know what other people don't know, and that's why my mom always said that she has eyes in the back of her head. She sees things that no one else does. So this is the first step in every miracle. Can you see the problem? Running out of wine may not seem like a problem to you. In fact, some of you are probably a little uncomfortable that there was even wine there, let alone that they were running out of it, right? Um... But in a biblical context, running out of wine would have been the apex of humiliation for the groom's family. It was their responsibility to have the supplies. There wasn't enough, and so if anyone had noticed that they had run out, it would be a super humiliating moment for the groom's family. So I want to know today if you can see your problem. I'm wondering if the miracle that has not yet manifested in your life is directly related to your inability to see the problem. Some of you wish I would move on right now because you're like, of course I see the problem. Did you not see my Facebook post last night? (laughs) I know the problem. Not only that, I know who the problem is. Of course I see the problem. But that's the problem. We think that we know the problem, but we don't actually know the real problem. I think we get distracted by what we think is the problem, and then we get, bury it under all of the things that are actually the problem, right? I do this with my kids all the time. They come home from school. They're lashing out about something that's not actually the problem, right? Anyone? Yeah. We do this as adults. Bobby's asking me all the time, wait a second, what's the real problem here, right? Because we get overwhelmed, and we do these things, and it's not actually the problem. Here's another problem. We, we think sometimes that seeing the problem is a problem. We want to ignore it, and we want to hit life running every day with smiles and and positivity, and we think that if we do that, that the miracles will happen, and we're just going to spread sunshine, and life is going to be so beautiful because we're taking on positivity. But listen, sometimes life just happens, and it's okay. The Bible doesn't say that we're not going to live without problems. It's okay to have problems. It's okay to see the problems, and it's okay to acknowledge them and know that they need attention, right? So Mary notices the problem and acknowledges it, sees they're running out of wine, and she takes action, but she doesn't take the action you would think. She doesn't jump in the car and run to Sam's. She doesn't uh, call the caterer and complain and demand that they bring more wine. She doesn't do what I would have done and go to the kitchen and pull out the juice and the Kool-Aid and the Sprite and start mixing up some instinctual punch, right? She sees the problem, and she goes straight over to Jesus, And this is a second ingredient in manifesting a miracle. So in your notes, you not only have to see the problem, but you have to seek the power. I want to pause right here for a second because I'm wondering when I'm reading this, why on earth running out of wine is such a huge problem that she had to call in the son of God of all people to fix it? I mean, the history of weddings tells us that the wine is the groom's family's responsibility. So I get that, like, they would have been embarrassed, but this is a wedding. It's a celebration. The guests would have gotten over it, right? They would have continued to celebrate. They wouldn't have really had a second thought about it. Um, But the wine wasn't the focus of the party. They would have continued to celebrate, but there's also people who it would have mattered to, right? The groom's family, it would have mattered to. Um, With it being their responsibility, they would have been so focused on this small detail that they would have been – like pulled away from the celebration, right? They wouldn't have been able to focus on what was happening. The big moment in their kids' lives, the big celebration, um, all the love and the lovely couple and whatever, because they would have been been pulled away by this small detail. So I think we get like this too sometimes. I get really focused on small details that really don't matter. Um, In fact, I'll tell myself, a couple weeks ago, I was so focused on printing something on Sunday morning that I was missing all the other details that were happening during worship practice and everything. I just, like, I had to get this thing printed. It had to happen right now. And nothing else, whoa, hello. Nothing else was going to go well until this thing was printed because we needed it. Did we use it on Sunday morning? No. No, we didn't. But (laughs) we get focused on the small details and we are pulled away from the bigger moments that are happening. But what this part of the story tells me is that God cares about the tiny details, right? God loves us so much that He doesn't just care about the big moments like the wedding happening. And he doesn't just care about the big miracles that we need, but he cares about the small things. He cared that the groom's family was going to be humiliated. He cared and he saved them that moment of embarrassment because it was important to someone, right? God cares about all of us and all of the small things that matter to us. Um, I also needed some more perspective on the wine, so I started looking into that, and I think there's several reasons that maybe God chose to use wine in the first miracle, but one is because wine takes time. Earlier, we were talking about my huge family. My grandparents have six kids, 20 grandkids, am I right? 20 grandkids, and like five, six, I don't know, I think we're up to like six or seven great-grandkids, something like that. So at any family give, gathering, there's going to be like 50 of us or more. And my grandma has made it a joke in her house that um, after dinner, when we pray, when we're all getting, to, we're getting ready to eat, I mean, sorry, before dinner, when we pray and we're getting ready to eat, at some point she is always going to say, he who hesitates goes hungry. And it's true. There's certain times at Thanksgiving and Christmas that my family will literally hide food items or like fight over them because we know there's only this much and we're not all 50 going to get some of this. Okay. So we have to hide it and we fight over it. Um, and one of those things is eggnog. So some of you think eggnog is disgusting, but you've never had homemade eggnog. So just don't knock it. My grandpa makes eggnog every Christmas. And when he starts, the blender starts getting out the cups and the cream and the eggs and all of the things, Never fails, like forty of the fifty people are all shoved in the kitchen, pushing and shoving, hovering over the blender <laughs> he's he's shaking his head, yes, he knows he knows he knows um and here's the thing it's a hot commodity, and we normally make it out alive, but if we wanted to, when we ran out, we could just send a couple of the fifty of us to the store for eight more gallons of eggnog and a pound more of nutmeg, right We could. Make more in like a few minutes. But wine is made through a process. You have to take the right fruit at the right time. You have to be able to crush the grapes and mix all the things in. Then you have to wait a long time for it to ferment. And the whole filtering process thing has to happen. I mean, I don't really know how to make wine, but I know it takes a long time. Okay, the point is it takes a long time. There would have been no way for these people to replenish what was depleted in just a few minutes. The wine would have taken years to replenish, but Mary knew that Jesus could replenish those barrels in seconds, not just with some cheap replacement, but with even better quality than was there before. Remember when they brought the wine that Jesus had made to the master of the feast, he said, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. What that tells me is that it wasn't Just the same wine that was there, right? He replaced it with something even better. It was better than what was there before. And this is what our God does. He can replace things in a moment that would take us years to try and replace or fix on our own. Um, He doesn't just replace it with the next best thing to fill a void. He replaces it with something better. No wonder Mary went to Jesus when they needed more wine. And I think at this moment, Mary brings the problem to Jesus. He has this realization. I think Jesus had to be thinking, someday there's going to be another wedding. I'm going to be the groom, and my wine has to be enough. He knew that replenishing the wine at this wedding would help us understand later. Later when the last supper, would, he would take the cup and say that the wine was a symbol for his blood. Later when he would go to the cross and say that his blood shed For us would cover all of our sins. The first miracle wasn't just some fancy wedding entertainment, right? It was our first sign that Jesus would always be enough. That this wine would never run out. God set this moment up for Jesus to reveal his glory, not for an ego boost, because he could do the impossible. But so that later, even now, we could look back and we could see that there was always going to be enough. Not just to sustain us for the moment, Not just to get us through the seven days of celebration, but for all eternity to cover every sin and get us to the Father in heaven. After Mary sees the problem and seeks the power, there's a bit of a plot twist. She then turns to the servants and says, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. And once again, I'm super confused by this recipe. She sees the problem, we're out of wine, she seeks the power, Jesus come fix this, and then she turns from Jesus and goes to the catering crew. Tell me how this makes any sense. She turns from the man who has the power to do literally anything without even speaking, and she goes to the busboys and says, do whatever he tells you. Mary, what in the world do you think these servants have to do with the manifestation of this miracle? What do you think Jesus needs them for? You already went to the source of the miracle. You already knew the guy who could fix the problem with just a word. You think that guy needs the servants to produce the wine? He doesn't. He could have pulled an I Dream of Genie and like done the nose thing, you know, and uh, the wine would have just appeared, right? He didn't need them. But Mary is giving us the third ingredient to this recipe. She says, if I'm going to see the problem and seek the power for this miracle to happen, then I've got to number three, speak to the participants. Worship team, would you come help me out? See, Mary could recognize that although God has the power to create a miracle, someone else was going to have to carry the miracle. Who else but a mom who 30 years prior was visited by an angel and told that she would carry the miracle in the Son of God? And she did whatever he said, and he was right, and his word was true. Mary knew that someone else was going to have to do the work for the miracle to carry it and to produce it. That's why she turned to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. She had learned something in the 30 years. She had the relationship... With God in the recipe to know that as crazy as it sounds, do whatever he tells you. She knew that any miracle that God would manifest on the earth, that he would need our participation. He has the super and we have the natural. So I'm wondering today if there's a miracle that you're believing for that you haven't yet participated in. He needs your participation this morning. Some of you, God wants to mend relationships that are broken or strained, but you're going to have to send the text. You're going to have to set up the awkward lunch date to talk about it. Some of you are believing for total healing in your body, but you're going to actually have to go to the doctor and get some answers and get a plan. Some of you want desperately for your family and friends to be saved and to know Jesus, but you're going to have to start being that example for them. Some of you have financial setbacks that need a miracle to manifest, but you're going to have to keep working that job and stop waiting for an anonymous blessing to just show up in your account. I think oftentimes we see the problem and we know who to seek for it, but we stop there. We know that he's powerful enough to fix the problem. We know that he doesn't need us, that he he could do it without us, but he needs our participation. want you to look at how Jesus finishes this miracle, the fourth and final ingredient we don't actually get from Mary. We get from the servants, the catering crew, the busboy. So we saw the problem. <clears throat> she seeks the power. She sees the participants that are needed. And then the last step is when Jesus tells the servants to fill the vases and they fill it up to the brim. And then they draw the water and they present it to the master of the feast. In essence, he's telling us that the last ingredient is to scoop and to pour. Don't just see the problem and seek the power, but then you have to participate. You have to scoop and you have to pour. See, we're right, Jesus doesn't need us. It does not take faith to fill this with water. It doesn't take faith even scoop the water out but I think God was showing us here that what takes faith is moving this over there because we scoop it and we see that it's water and then he says take it to the master of the feast and the whole time we're walking thinking God this is still water I'm not sure I don't think this is going to work God this is still water I'm, I'm not sure, God, this is still water, and we bring it over here, right? God is showing us that the faith is what it takes. It, he needed Jesus, right? He needed Jesus to show us all these things. He needed Jesus to perform these miracles for us, but he needed our participation because God needed to show us that in 2022 that it takes faith for a miracle to actually move. It doesn't take faith to fill up the it doesn't take faith to scoop it, right? But it takes faith to actually move. It takes faith to take what you know is water and move it until you see it turn into one. To take the promise of the miracle and move it. While you're walking, it's still just water. Faith, even when it doesn't look like it's changing, even when it feels the same, even when it's still clear and boring, Scoop and pour, scoop and pour, scoop and pour. Would you guys stand with me this morning? Listen, it's not our responsibility to change this water into wine. It is our responsibility to move it. And I know some of you this morning are already thinking of miracles that you need, of miracles that you've been praying for, of miracles that you just thought of, that you need done in your life. Um every miracle requires our participation somehow there's something you've been waiting for there's something you need there's something you've prayed for for a long time and i think some of you are just now realizing that yes god can do miracles in your life but he needs you to be a part of it i think you're realizing just now that you've been reading the ingredients and instructions over and over and over and over And you think you have the recipe, but you actually haven't started that relationship with God yet. So if you're wanting that relationship to finish the recipe this morning, I want to pray for you. He wants the recipe recipe to be finished. He needs your participation. So if you would like to accept Jesus this morning, would you just raise your hand? You have the ingredients, you have the instructions, you have a Savior who loves you so much and wants a relationship with you. I want to pray for you this morning. Jesus, we thank you for the people who in their hearts right now. God, things are stirring. They need miracles to happen and they thought they've had the recipe, God, but they don't. They're ready for a relationship with you. God, we ask right now that you would just change their hearts in this moment. Change the water into wine for these people. Father, take what they thought was the recipe and finish it. Start that relationship. God, as they start the relationship with you, we know that you'll take it and you'll carry it and you'll move it for us, but God, we thank you for their participation in choosing a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. I also think there's another group of people here today. I think there's others of you who have this miracle um, in mind this morning and you're saying, this makes no sense. I have participated for so long. I have the relationship. I know the miracle I need. I've been participating for years. How much longer is this gonna take? I cannot be the only one who stands with a base full of water some days and just says, God, I've been praying so long. When, when is this gonna turn into wine? When will the miracle manifest? I can't be the only one. And I think that sometimes we take this and we look at it and we say, this is still water, I'm done. I've prayed too long, I've tried too hard, others have been praying for me, and we set the vase down and we walk away. But I'm telling you this morning that unless we pick the vase back up and we scoop it and we pour it over and over and over and over The miracle is still stagnant. We have to move. So if you're ready to move this morning, if you're ready to scoop and pour again, pick up the empty vase. Pick up the vase of water and move it right now. In your heart, just move it. It's still there. God still cares. I want to tell you something. God's word is not void. He does not lie. The promises that he gives you when you're over here scooping are the promises that will manifest when you come over and pour. But You can't let the vase be sitting on the table doing nothing. If you're ready this morning to pick up your vase, there's actually vases down here. If you want to scoop and pour again, I invite you to come do that. Just one more time. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if you're going to be scooping and pouring for 20 more years. I don't know. But the miracle will not happen unless you keep moving. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.